welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Now, um, I want to give you three verses that lay a foundation for what I want to say. Uh, The first one is in Acts 20, verse 32. Uh, These are part of Paul's parting powerful words uh, to the Ephesians. And he said, and now I commend you to God, Acts 20, verse 32. I, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Did you hear that? Oh, there it is. You can see it now. In case you don't have a Bible, you can read that. Paul's commending them and us to God and to the word of his grace. Now, of course, the word back then was more spoken. They had some writings from the Old Testament. New Testament hadn't yet been written, but whether it's the Rhema spoken word or the Logos written word. It's the same words that come from God for us. And look what it's able to do. It's able to build you up. And the word is also able to give you an inheritance among all those who are in sanctified. In other words, the word of God can lead you to a point of salvation so that you can receive this incredible inheritance. So that's, you would agree, reasonably powerful. God's word is powerful. And in fact, if you see there the word able... That comes from a Greek word, the translation from the Greek word dynamite, which can be also translated powerful or power. And, when, and that word, you know, in the Greek, we get the words, uh, you know, dynamic and dynamite. So there's, a, there's explosive power, if you like, in God's word. Uh, and this, of course, lines up with uh, many other verses uh, in the Bible talking about the power of God's word. Here's another one from James chapter 1, verse 21 and it says in the second part of that verse humbly accept the word of God accept the word of God has planted in your heart for it has the power to save your souls isn't that amazing you know all we got to do is to receive a word from God and that word that God's words I mean he created the universe created the world Jesus came as the Word. We have the Word of God, the Bible. We read it. It it can change lives. It's the power to save your souls. And again, that's the same uh, Greek word, dunamai. um, But of course, the power is only ever activated if we believe it, if we receive the Word with faith. And we see that. One more verse I want you to see in Romans 1.16. You've probably heard this before. You've been around your Bible for a while. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul writing, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first, also to the Greek. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel or the, the good news, the, the words about God, the message about Jesus, because again, it's power. But look, it's the power of God for salvation to whom? To everyone who what? Believes Useless if you don't believe. Now, of course, believing isn't difficult, but it still requires our decision. We're simply agreeing with God's word. That's faith. Faith is basically 
believing. And we heard Tim talk over the offering about trust and, and you know, maybe you, you can't uh, trust airlines all the time or whatever else. He mentioned there's some things that we can't trust, but we can always trust the Lord. And he comes to us with words and speaks to us and we're called to trust him, to take him at his word. And, and he's always saying something to us through his word. Uh, and we heard words of prophecy this morning, which of course we're told to go and test and they must line up with the word of God, um, and uh, which is, you know, God's written accurate source for us to get the most, most accurate message from him. Uh, but he'll speak to us in our spirit, uh, again, lining up with what we know is already his will. And he'll talk to you about the plan that he has for your life, about the dreams that he wants you to dream, dreams that you can catch from him, about desires that he has to fulfil in your world. And so this time of year, it's really cool because we get to uh, reflect on the past. You might look back at the year that's just been and take some lessons from it. Of course, we are always uh, uh, doing well if we're thankful and, and have gratitude for the present. We can be grateful for what God's doing in our lives right now. But we also, with a couple of days to go to a new year, can look into the future and look to God and look to His Word and think, yeah, what is, what is the new year going to bring? What is God wanting to bring into that new year through His Word and through my faith in His Word, through the promises that He's given me? What is He saying? Because God can do something extraordinary when we trust Him, when we take Him at His Word. And if you study the Bible, you'll see that's what happened time and time again for people who just believed God and he had words that were way beyond what they would have expected to happen in their lives, way beyond the norm, way beyond what natural circumstances would have dictated, what they would have expected to happen in their lives. And all they did was believe God and then amazing things happened. And because uh, God is always declaring some statements about the world or about us or making promises to us that go... Uh, as I said, way beyond uh, what is normally expected. For example, Mary has Gabriel come to her uh, at Christmas. We know the story. And he says, you're highly favoured. Why? Because you're going to have a baby and you're not married. That, that you know, in the natural, Mary would be thinking, I don't know what your definition of highly favoured is, but the neighbourhood gossips are going to rip in and I'm not going to feel really favoured at all. Joseph is not going to be that impressed. And he initially wasn't. It doesn't seem in the natural to be highly favoured, does it? And yet, of course, she was called to give birth to the saviour of the world. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, that is pretty highly favoured. But that's initially in the natural, not what it looks like. Gideon is hiding from the enemy uh, you know, he's, um, it says he's threshing wheat in the bottom of a wine press, down in a hole, uh, trying to hide from these oppressive, uh, invading Midianites that are, you know, ravaging their land. And uh, another angel comes along and says, um, hey, Gideon, you mighty man of valour. And don't you just wish you were there? Because it's, it's like, you, know, you can just imagine him thinking, there shouldn't be anyone else in this hole of the ground, but I bet there must be someone behind me because you can't be talking, who me? You know, my, I, he didn't feel like a mighty man of valour, but he proved to be because of the word and the promises of God that came to him. 
And you go through, you know, look at David, the least of the kids that were lined up, one of them chosen, about to be chosen to be the next king of Israel. He's not even in the lineup. He's not even considered at the end of the line. They're like, Samuel, is this all there is? God's saying, this is, the, I'm, well, 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 there is David, but surely you wouldn't consider, no. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. Bam, he's the man. <gasps> and there's David. And all the brothers are like, are you kidding? In the natural, no way. This little, it's amazing, isn't it? Moses said, hey, I can't speak. And God says, oh, no, you can actually, because you're going to be my spokesperson to go and negotiate the freedom of over a million people out of slavery from this oppressive tyrant. Go figure. It, you know, so God really loves to bring a promise into a situation that proves this is definitely God and nothing else to see this happen. And so the question this morning is, what's God saying to me? What's God said in the word that you've read that takes you beyond your comfort zone, beyond what you would think normal and natural that he wants to do in your world? Because he's got things to say that will challenge you that takes you out, you know, beyond normal expectations and comfort zones. And, and the fact is, God's calling, God's mission for your life, God's assignment for your life will have elements of the impossible. And conversely, if you look at your dreams or life plan, if they're completely doable, and achievable all by yourself, then you'd have to question, is this from God? There's no God element. This is, this is really not all that God's calling me to, if I think I can do it all on my own. I'm not allowing for the, the God factor that brings God's word, God's power, God's promises, God's anointing that I'm going to need to do God's will. And so I'm going to need the supernatural power of God to take me beyond the natural realm to do what God calls. But watch this. It doesn't mean when we say doing something supernatural, it doesn't mean it has to be spectacular. So people start thinking, oh, dreams and visions and, and, uh, and fulfilling the call of God. Well, it can be significant and special and yet still seemingly small. It doesn't mean to serve God or to do something that's God's will. It means it'll lead to, to fame or, or, or massive numbers. Or, and and I, I think sometimes we can get caught up with a spirit that is in the world that misunderstands what true success is. So, for example, you could say, oh, I want to sing for the Lord. I want to be a worshiper for God. And Ruth and I were talking about this yesterday. Uh, you know, someone wants to glorify God with their singing voice and their gift, and that's wonderful. And that motivation could be the same whether they become famous or not. So you could have someone that ends up, you know, recording albums, being a famous worship leader, doing conferences all over the world, or someone singing in their local church, and in God's eyes, they're both successful. They're both fulfilling the call of God. But it could easily look like, oh, no, 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 this poor person, they're getting second best. They, they, they didn't set their height, sights high enough or they must have made a mistake or they didn't you know, get the dream machine going or, or, they, or they haven't quite, or they're not as valuable or so. But the famous one, and if the famous one's not careful, then they'll be thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, this is my goal uh, uh, to sing for millions of people, to be noticed by the masses. 
and, and I'm not saying if they become famous, that's necessarily happened, you know, but they've got to make sure their motivation stays pure because there's that temptation that the person in more humble circumstances doesn't have. But really, uh, what's the difference or what's the higher calling to sing for millions of people or to sing for the Lord? You know, so, so the, the, the God dream that we're called to fulfil doesn't mean anything to what the world would say. It doesn't relate necessarily to, to what, you know, we would define or what the world around us defines as, as looking very successful because the values are different. And, uh, and so we just got to think, well, the highest calling, uh, you know, I, I define success as, as simply obeying God. And so I just wanted to bring a word that challenges you and encourages you to seek God at this time of year, look, launching into a new one, to look to his word and say, well, what, what are you wanting me to f- put my faith in, Lord? What are you saying that I need to believe? What am I called to obey? Uh, and in doing so, you'll be stepping into your best life, into what success is in God's eyes for you, regardless of what it looks like, uh, you know, to the world around us. Um, because, you know, we, we really should dream great dreams and dream God's dreams and read his word and, and believe his promises that he has in there for us, but at the same time not get caught up with what others think about or what the world says about it or comparing ourselves to other people. For, let me give you an example. Um, earlier the year, we had a, a friends of ours, Don and Sandy, sharing you may remember, um, and they talked very honestly and openly about their life. And he wouldn't mind me saying that, because I've known this guy since he was a little kid, his parents got divorced. And when he came to get married, one of the biggest fears that he had was that um, he'd end up being divorced because there was a line of that in his family. And so for him, a big faith goal, a great challenge was to lay a hold of God's promises for uh, a blessing on their marriage to be happy in marriage faithful, blessed, long-term in their relationship. And that's occurred. 30 years later, they're two of the most blissfully, it's annoying how blissfully happy they are, you know. Uh, And not really, but you know what I mean, how people are just really happy together. You know, they have this great relationship. And so you could look on and say, oh, yeah, someone's been married for a while. But there's a victory right there. You know, that's that's a great goal. That's a great vision to have. You know, doesn't look big and fancy or make someone famous or be noticeable or so it's the same with any gifting that we've been given you know you could be called to be a great famous evangelist and you're going to win thousands or millions to Christ or maybe in 2019 your soul winning efforts is more like you're going to bring people into the house of God on Sundays they get to hear the gospel you're going to end up sitting in a cafe leading a friend to the Lord in prayer and their life is changed forever and it can be just ones and twos. It doesn't have to be hundreds or thousands, yeah? Both of them, whether it's the famous evangelist or the personal soul winner, are fulfilling the call of God on their life, stepping into their destiny, yeah? Believing and fulfilling the dream that God has for them. Uh, You know, you could, in finances, it might be that you end up this, you know, great business and you're, you know, wealthy and 
glorify God and serve and you give lots of money to all kinds of great causes or perhaps you're believing God and you're going to get out of debt because you've been rattled by consumer debt and that's a breakthrough too in your world for your time and your season in life, your faith goal. So, um, you know, it could have, it can have noticeable results, your faith goal. You might, you know, next year you're buying a house or you're finishing that uni degree or you you know, something that you can recognise easily on the outside or it could be not as noticeable but just as powerful, an internal thing. It might be a character deal that you're growing in. You're getting over some habit that's racked you and you're getting closer to Christ, becoming more like Jesus. Well, you can't measure that. People can't see that, but the Lord can. Yeah, And so all this requires faith in God and obedience and growing in Him and, and doing more than just passing the time and letting the years wash over us. It's exciting, but we don't have to get caught, if, caught up with with what the world around us says is exciting. You hear what I'm saying? You know, the values that God has for us are different. Uh, let me finish with a quote. Um, you know, Tozer, uh, you've, I've heard, you, you've heard me mention him before. He's a great Christian writer. This was in a daily devotional that I came across just, I think, yesterday. He said this, Our Lord, in defining eternal life, summed up the supreme goal of human existence that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Quoting from the King James. Paul revealed the one overpowering interest of his life when he wrote that I may know him. He says this, The business of the church is God. She is purest when most engaged with God. She is astray just so far as she follows other interests, no matter how religious or humanitarian they may be. There are a thousand useful, even noble pursuits in which the church may engage and which may bring her the plaudits of the world, but which are nevertheless unworthy of her utter devotion. Did you hear that? In other words, there's plenty of stuff we can get up to as a church, but if we're not careful, we'll reprioritise incorrectly. God's always number one. He says, these social activities... Such are social activities for their own sake, philosophical pursuits, divorced from him in whom all wisdom and knowledge is hidden away. Art, music, education, to name a few. All these things come to the Christian in his pursuit of God. They may have, sorry, as these things come to the Christian in his pursuit of God, they may have a proper and useful place in his life, but when they are chosen as ends to be followed, they are, can only be cheap substitutes for God's glory. I hope you caught that. I mean, maybe a little wordy, but it's all about the Lord as we've been seeing this morning. Jesus, only you. Yeah? And so if you want a New Year's resolution uh, for 2019, I'll give you one. Seek God. <laughs> Just seek God, number one. And then number two, seek in his word with faith what he's saying to you, what he's calling you to, what challenges you, and how, and then, and then synthesize or understand or bring that into reality in your world, what it looks like. Figure out what is God wanting to do in my life, and then look forward with faith and expectation for a great year, yeah, to serving a great God with great faith in his word that is full of great and precious promises. Amen.
hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thank you.